The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, episode 346 premium for Thursday, August 4th, 2011. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Cab, the show where we don't usually botch the intro, and this makes the first of the last three where we got it right. So uh, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Fairfield, Connecticut, John F. Braun. There he is, John F. Braun. And sitting next to me today, uh, back again. Back here at approximately 70 North, 43, no, no. (laughs) 43 North, 70, and never mind. Here in Durham, New Hampshire. (laughs) It's a good thing they don't let me navigate that thing. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good thing, Pete. That's right. Just fly it. We'll tell you where to go, boss. Pilot Pete. That's right. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It is all your responsibility, though. Yeah, unfortunately, it is. No, no, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's why they pay me the big bucks. That's right. You believe me, don't you? I, I, yeah, we believe you. That's right. Uh, how you doing today, John? Mm. I'm doing. All right. Well, there's the answer. That's uh, why don't we ask Barry how he's doing, and uh, and we'll go with that. So Barry writes uh, in the last show. You mentioned swapping CPUs to try and get the older Macs to run Lion. Please remind anyone doing that to properly ground themselves or they risk setting the magic smoke free. Uh, And so that's good advice. He also had a question. He said in Lion uh, in mail, I can't seem to find an ability, the ability to sort on categories using the new view. Do you know how to get that back? And it's there. So Lion obviously has this new view uh, uh, layout in mail where you have your messages uh, in a one long column and and then to the right of those is uh, is the message content. So it's a wider view as opposed to this kind of three pane uh, longer view. And at the very top of the list of messages, uh, kind of in the upper left, you'll see uh, sort by. And for most of us, it's going to say date. You can click on that. There's a tiny little triangle. It's really not obvious, but uh, but it's there. And, and you can sort by attachments, date, from, size, subject to, uh, and then you can also sort by whether or not it's unread. And then you have the option of sorting ascending or descending, whether you want to go up or down. So, uh, so yes, Barry, you can, and that's how you, that's how you do it. So that's, uh, that, that's that way of sorting in Lion Mail. John, do you have, did you say you had something to add to, uh, to Barry here? Well, one thing I noticed, so I was looking, yeah, so that that is, uh, it's in a place that you may not expect, so I could understand why, he, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, didn't see it, but the view menu also has the choices. Uh, no matter what, uh, if you're in the classic or the new Lion Mail, the view menu also has the sort by. That's still there. So, and that's there no matter what view you have. Of course, if you're in the classic view, then you get the column headers, and uh, we've talked about, you know, how you can add and, and subtract those as well. Right. So, uh but yeah, no, that's a good one because yeah, I didn't notice that at first. I'm like, how do you do this? Right. So it's probably more compact. I, I think it, it, it it's probably a cleaner layout. It, it is a cleaner layout, and that you know that's the thing. And we talked about this briefly. I don't I don't want to rehash it all the way through, but that that's one of the things I like now that I've gotten used to Lion's new mail layout is that it's cleaner and there's less to distract me. In fact, you know, having my list of all my mailboxes. It's not necessarily what I want all the time because I don't want to see all my other options. I want to see 
the contents of the mailbox that I'm in. So I actually hide the list uh, and you do that up at the top of the, the mail window. There's a little show hide uh, thing just above where that sort by date or sort by uh, widget is. And I hide that most of the time so that I'm not seeing, uh, you know, my list of mailboxes. And I like that. I mean, it, it took, but it, but it took some getting used to for sure. So, um, you know, and it may not be for you. And then you, you said you used act on to uh, quickly file then. I use mail act on to quickly file. Yes. I need absolutely. to get that. And then I think, cause I, I, I'm still dragging files into or messages into mailboxes. Yeah. yeah Driving no. myself nuts. That's, that's definitely a, a valuable thing to have. All right. Uh, anything else on this one before we move on to Joe? Um, yes. No. I'm curious oh, about the processor replacement. Do you know if that's a socketed processor or not? Pro- probably not a socketed processor. I've never done processor replacement on a on a MacBook. You know, the place to check, of course, is I fix it. They'll tell you whether or not it's socketed. So, yeah, because yeah. if um, I don't think it's I thought it was a thing. mini. I okay. I thought he was talking a mini because the mini hmm. I think it's socketed, and in that case, it's uh, you should still, of course, exercise good grounding technique. But if it if it's a surface mount processor, then that's that's advanced degree to get that out and get a new one in. At that, least doing it right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's some varsity ball. That's right. <laughs> that's right. All right. On to Joe. All right. We're, we're actually going to uh, open the curtain a little bit here. I had paused the show because I noticed John's audio quality went down. And in looking at, uh, if you're using Skype with someone, you can go to the window menu and choose technical call info. And it'll bring up uh, a, an interesting little thing. What we usually look at here are two things. Number one is, uh, the round trip. And for John and I, that's usually below 50 milliseconds. I had noticed that it was up to about 350 milliseconds. And the reason I was looking at it was because his audio quality had gone down. Uh, sample rates, it should be, both people should be at 24,000. Uh, I was sending to him at 24,000. He was sending to me at 16 and earlier it was 12. Uh, okay. And I okay. fixed it. And okay. I'll tell you what I did to fix it. So, so yeah. So, so what I did before, before I even paused the show, John was, I checked, uh, I logged into my router while we were talking here and checked to make sure that I wasn't using or me or someone in the house wasn't just using all of my bandwidth. Cause that will cause this problem. Um, and I wasn't, so I assumed it was you and I paused. And of course you were using all your bandwidth. You were, well, why don't you tell people what you were doing? Well, and well, hey, I'll, let's, I'll, let's solve the problem first. You know what, John? Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to call you right back because you're still at 16 K and it's probably going to take Skype a, a little while to okay. come back up. So uh, so hang on. We'll see if we can bring Mr. Braun back into the Skype conversation. I know you folks like to see behind the scenes a little bit here. Inside so baseball. Uh, it's inside baseball right now. Hello. But it's good techie stuff. So it's uh, it's good. And there you are, John. So you well, you're back down to 16. So talk to us, John. Maybe you'll jump up to 24. Well, I'm going to talk to you a bit. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to talk. I'm going to keep. Let me yeah, get, just tell us that window. Oh, tell us what we, you did. Oh, we're live. Okay. Yeah, we're live. Yeah. So what have I been? What, what, what's different about my setup? You may ask. And I'm going to tell you. So I recently, as I think you did, Dave, we're, we're looking at, a, at another file synchronization solution called SugarSync. And so they hooked us both up with an account. And I decided to go full bore and sync everything on, uh, on one folder on my MacBook to SugarSync. And what I was doing was, uh, and, and they allow you, which I think is kind of nice and, and different from Dropbox, is they allow you to set the, uh, the bandwidth. Uh, you, How can much set bandwidth the you can set the bandwidth through Dropbox. Okay, but, yeah. but I found that selection in the SugarSync preferences as well. 
And as you probably guessed, I had it set to full. Full bore. That's right. Well, as, as you asked me, John, are you doing anything that's taking up bandwidth? I looked on my MacBook Pro, which is right next to me, and I looked at my uh, iStat Menus upload uh, network bandwidth, and it was at about 200K per second, which is my... <laughs> which is your maximum. <laughs> which is my maximum upstream bandwidth. So Skype was, was trying to fight with that and, and was losing. So while we're so. talking about this, because I, I, I did it, too. I said I was going to test uh, Sugar Sync a little bit more in a recent show, and, I, and I've started doing that. And I also, you know, uh, iDrive may, fi- may wind up being an even better solution than Sugar Sync, but that's what we do here is we test them and we report back. So we're, we're not ready to report uh, a whole lot more on Sugar Sync yet, but uh, I want to talk about iDrive um, once we have some more experience with yeah. that. However, so I just quit the, I quit the app, which is the sugar sink manager. And, and it said, Hey, are, are you sure you want to you know, stop doing this? And I said, yeah. And then the bandwidth went down to nothing. So I'll resume right. it once we're done. It's cool. Okay. So one thing that I will point out, John, to you, and of course to all of our listeners or any of them that are going to use sugar sink is in the preferences, you have upload speed and you really only have three settings. You have high, medium, and low. And what those translate to is, um, maximum like full bandwidth on high medium, I believe is 75% of your bandwidth and low is 50% of your bandwidth. Now I had set mine to medium and I found that it was using all of my bandwidth. And here's why I have a four megabit per second upstream cap, but for the first 60 seconds of any transfer, it allows me to go to six megabits as part of Comcast power boost. So what happened was right. So it calculated so they do a sampling, uh, a- so they sample your bandwidth for a certain amount of time to figure right. what they think is your up. Okay. And they. Right. And so they sampled oh. it. They saw six. <laughs> they ratcheted it down to 75%, which is of course four or close enough. And boom, you know, I was using actually that the 75% should be, should be less than four, right? Maybe I was getting more than six. Maybe it was, it huh. was doing a little bit better, but now I've got it on all my computers. I have it set to low and that usually clocks it in at about three megabits, and that seems to work okay. So, no, we should give them that feedback because there's probably a lot of people that yeah. have that similar boost feature where, for the first however many seconds or minutes, mm-hmm. they give you a little burst and then then they ratchet it down. So, yeah, it should check again. That's true. At, at like the you know if there's some big transfer going at at like the two or three minute mark, it should sample the bandwidth again and see what it uh, see what it gets. That's it. That's good. Wow. advice. In fact, yeah. I'll share this conversation. We won't, we won't send anything to them other than notification to come listen to the show. <laughs> Cause that's how we roll here. Uh, well, that's good. Good, good call. Good yep. call. Dave. Yep. So, uh, okay. So now that we are back, we'll go to Joe as promised. And we'll talk a little bit more. We've got, you know, as, as you might expect, and as has been typical lately, we're a little, little heavy on lion stuff today, simply because that's what you folks are asking us about. Uh, and Joe has a question then we've got a tip from Gary kind of on a similar subject. Joe says, uh, after I upgraded to lion, I decided that having a bootable, uh, solid state version of the installer would be nice. So today I bought an eight gig thumb drive and tried to follow the instructions that you guys link to, but I keep getting an error. And the error is it says could not restore the uh, he's trying to do the restore inside disk utility. So he found the install ESD image and he's trying to restore that to his flash drive. Uh, I finally decided to boot from Snow Leopard and everything worked perfectly, but I could not make the restore disk from Lion. So there's I I did not run into this problem. But uh, when I got my eight gig thumb drive, I did two things. Number one is. I reformatted, I repartitioned the entire drive. Now I did this because I knew uh, that while Lion's 
uh, installer takes up slightly more than four gigs. It doesn't take up all eight. So I figured I would make two partitions on the thumb drive. One at about, I think it was about 4.3 gigs and then one that filled up the rest so that I could use it for other things in doing that. Uh, the thumb drive, of course, was uh, when, you know, made to be Windows and Mac compatible. So it wasn't using the GUID um, method of, uh, of partitioning the disk. So inside, excuse me, inside disk utility in the partition tab, I hit options and I changed that to GUID. Now that is going to wipe out all the partitions that were there, but I knew that and I was intending on doing that anyway. So I made that into GUID. Then I made the two partitions and then I was able to restore uh I restored the install ESD image to one of the partitions, not to the thumb drive itself. And, and that's a that's an important distinction to make when you're doing this. Make the partition first and then restore the image to it, not to the thumb drive itself. And so one of those two things hopefully solves your issue there, uh, Joe. So that's uh, that's that. Do you have anything to add to this before we go on to, to Gary's interesting little comment about this, John? Well, I, I mentioned to you about the, uh, the uh, I don't think we, we had it in our notes here, but I remember coming across this in, in our other mailbox. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I thought this was interesting. So, you know, they have this recovery partition, right? Yes. And normally you can't see that. But then I'm looking here and actually, if you want to follow along, Dave. So Matthew sent something into our, uh, uh, into feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Not premium at MacGeekGab.com. No, feedback at MacGeekGab.com. And this is a great little tip. I didn't even know it did this. And initially I didn't have this turned on, but iStat Menus has a whole bunch of menus. And one of the menus is disks. What that normally shows you is any disks or uh, network drives that you have mounted and the amount of space used and free. But here's another category of things that it shows. And I confirm this. It'll show you unmounted disks. And one of the unmounted disks that it shows, Dave, is Recovery HD. Cool. So using iStat menus, you can mount the recovery HD partition, which, uh, as we mentioned, uh, this utility won't even show this to you. It, it is well hidden, but not hidden from iStat menus. So that's yeah. a Jeez, unexpected just, bonus, I'm I think, if you want to see what's on that. Maybe my version of iStat menus. So I'm still. It, it takes version. some. It takes a, a minute or so for it to show up. It doesn't show up initially. It didn't show up initially. I said, is is he talking about the right menu? Does it show in menu, menu bar disks or drop down disks? It's the disks menu. Disks, man. Yeah, I'm looking at disk usage, but I'm not seeing disk. Not disk activity. No, disks. And actually, I had that turned off initially because I, I find it kind of redundant. Oh, but this feature is, is kind of neat. So it'll show you unmounted partitions. Cool. I interesting. All right. And then uh, in regards to that, Gary writes, I did the App Store upgrade uh, from Snow Leopard to Lion, but I found out that certain things weren't working quite right after the upgrade. You had mentioned that the Lion installer puts the recovery partition on your drive during the installation, so I decided to use that to start fresh with Lion. What you either may not know, and I didn't know this, uh, or just haven't mentioned in a show, is that disk utility, the disk utility that's built into the recovery partition, does have the erase drive option that is on a full Snow Leopard and earlier DVD. However, if you reformat the main drive by default, and then you select to reinstall Lion after leaving disk utility, the partition doesn't contain all of the files for Lion. You'll get a message that it will verify this installation with Apple. Make sure that you're either on a non-secured Wi-Fi network or plugged in via Ethernet as the installer will download the remaining components from Apple's servers after asking you to enter your App Store 
uh, your Mac app store credentials and they are verified. So, yeah, so this is very good to know. If you are offline, you cannot uh, reinstall Lion from the recovery partition in full. You can start an installation, but you can't. The the data, uh, some of the data that it needs is going to be pulled down from online. So this is why creating a thumb drive and having that with you, that will let you do it offline uh, because that's got all the data saved. So that that's really important. I didn't I had no idea. Yeah, I just assumed it was all there. But but it makes sense that it's not because you wouldn't. I mean, there's a lot of you're using a lot of disk space anyway. Uh, the recovery partition is handy because it gives you disk utility and all that other stuff. But, it, you know, it stands to reason that not everything for the installer is on there. So. Yeah, I remember seeing it wasn't that big when I saw it. And I don't right. know if I saw it on Drive Genius or Disk Warrior or what. I didn't see it on iStat Menu. How big is your uh, recovery? I'm on my Snow Leopard machine, of course. That's what I record the podcast on, John, so I can't see it. But what? Uh, how big is your recovery partition showing? 500 oh. megs or so, I'm betting. Hold on. Okay. I mounted it. It's mounting it. Recovery HD, 476 megabytes. Yeah. Okay. So that stands to reason it's not going to have the full four gig installer if it's only a couple hundred megabytes, which makes me feel better, actually, that it's not chewing up all that disk space on every machine storing. Yeah, the, that uh, would stay. Yeah. Four gigs sitting there. Right. Yeah. That would drive me crazy. Yeah. 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 All right. Um, all right. Changing gears a little bit here. Anthony has a question. Hey, John and Dave, this is Anthony from the Bronx, a premium subscriber. I love the show. Please keep up the outstanding work. We will. We'll do our best. My current question is, I've been looking around the internet. I can't find anything pertaining to um, shutting down my Macs when the ambient temperature in my rooms get to a certain temperature. I do have a Mac Mini, and I do have other gear that I let run usually 24-7. I do live in New York in the Bronx, and like I said, it does get uh, pretty hot at this time of year. It starts hitting the 95-degree temperatures, 100-degree temperatures, and I really like something that I could just have something monitor my Mac, whether it be an outside device, you know, some, some, some sort of uh, power strip or whatever, or, or any program in my Mac that would actually check for the temperature, and then when it gets to a certain temperature, it would shut down properly without um, my Macs having to burn up when it gets too hot. I know they'll shut down on their own when they reach a certain temperature, but I'd rather do it prior to that. Um, well, let me know what you guys think. Hey, you can cut me off here. All right. Uh, so, yeah, it, you bring up an interesting point. They will shut themselves off, of course, when they get to the point uh, where the system is pre-programmed to, to shut down to prevent any permanent damage. And, and, you know, the reality is that that's probably enough. Um, as far as a program that's going to shut them down, you could, um, th- there are things that will monitor the temperature. Obviously, you know, things like iStat menus and, and there are other uh, packages out there that will monitor this. Uh, you st- and, and you can, I believe, pull them from the command line too. So you could write an automator action uh, that, you know, runs on a schedule and, and maybe runs, you know, once an hour or once every half hour just to check the temperature. And if it's at a certain point, you know, uh, institute a shutdown or at least a, a system sleep, you know, or something like that. But um, but no, I don't know of any app that's pre-built to do that. Although, uh, like I said, you could do it with an automator action or perhaps one of our um, programming savvy uh, listeners here will, will have a thought as to uh, as to what to do about that. So that that's that's my feeling on it. My so no, I couldn't find a utility to do it, but 
I also think that you're safe until the system decides to shut itself down, in which case you're still safe uh, because that's the system's job. It's got fans in there. It's got sensors. It knows where its cutoffs are and it shuts down well before them. So that's that's my feeling on this, John. I don't know if you have uh, if you have different thoughts. I respect your feelings. Okay, (laughs) that's good. And I do have different thoughts. Go. So, so, so one, I think I'm with you in that whatever values, and I think this is mostly isolated to the processor. There could be other values burned into the firmware or OS somewhere saying, okay, if, if the temperature reaches this point, then shut down, which, you know, all Macs can shut themselves off if they need to. Right. The only piece of software I could recommend that may help is SMC fan control. Okay. So this is a piece of software. What it will do is let you run the fans faster than the recommended speed. And I don't see any problem with that. It it will not let you, which to me, I don't know why you'd want to do this unless you want to destroy your machine. It will not let you set the fans below us below the minimum threshold, but it will let you set them higher. So I, I see no problem with that. If you, if you want to run cooler than normal, though you may be taking up, you may be, exhibiting more wear on the fans or maybe taking up, you know, a smidgen more power by running the fans faster uh, than they should be. And I've noticed a lot of machines run the fan all the time. Like, for example, I think the MacBook Pro, or at least the one that we have, Dave, uh, typically runs the fan, is always running the fans at 2000 RPM. And then when things start getting hot, then it starts ramping them up. Right. So uh, if you're concerned about that, that's the only piece of software I could recommend to create a profile where you're running the fans a little faster than normal, which should cool you off a little bit. Now, now John, I'm, I'm surprised because you mentioned iStat menus before and you either didn't know, or you've forgotten that iStat menus also has uh, pro- profiles. Yeah, yep. Temperature, your, yeah, your if heat you, sink. And if your... you go into iStat menus preference, uh, first of all, you can turn on sensors, which will show you the the temperature of the fans but ah, you can also go to and check a, a box called fan speed control and if you click uh. edit rules uh you can set up different sets of uh of of fan speeds so you can and you can have it you know use one set when it's on battery power and one set when it's on uh you know ac power or or whatever so that's um that can be a very handy thing and you can set each fan individually in these rule sets and have it, uh, have it do its thing. So good call. Yeah. We must have no, I, I just noticed that fan menu. So I swear, cause mm-hmm. you, you got different options there. John's talking about discs. I'm not seeing any of that. And I went for update and it says you got the latest version. So. 3.18. No, uh, let me, look. that's what I'm running Cause, here. Cause I'll so. tell you what, what is this? I don't even see where it is. Mine, mine tells me three one eight is up to date. Yeah, so. wasn't there a pay version or something? That's that's what this is. This is yeah. the this is the paid one. Yeah, I'm wondering if that's it because I think I'm on the free version. Oh yeah, with Lion, you really mm. don't want to be on the free version of iStat menus. Okay. You want to oh. bump yourself up. So. I, was it the last show I said something about you guys are getting expensive again? Uh huh. <laughs> wait, just wait till you get to the end of this show. We've got some other things. Although there we go. We although we have end. two things in cool stuff found today that are both free, and then I've got a couple things I'm going to mention that aren't. But, but, uh, but there you All go. Right. So. The the only thing I got to mention, Dave. Yeah. Is for any Mac, make sure that you have good airflow, that, that it's not on a bed or on a carpet or, or on anything that could in, in any way restrict the airflow because to they the designed this. It, you mean? Or yeah. wherever the vents Particularly are. Particularly the back on the MacBooks, but yeah. yeah. I can't tell you how many times I tell my 16-year-old, get it off the bed. 
you know, off the pillow. Like, you know it's he's not phone. alone, though. Oh, yeah, no, Do you I know. know everybody does that? No. Yeah. No, people do that. But the Mac, I mean, if, if, if you feel it, I mean, it's it's radiating heat out of the, the, yeah. the metal of the case as That's well. That's true. Yeah. Yep. So I get, uh, there are other places. I mean, there's a heat. I mean, where it does, like at least on the MacBook Pro, the one I have, there is a heat pipe along the uh, the piece of metal that runs right next to the screen. There's a heat pipe there if you've ever been in the machine. Because if you touch that when the, when the fans are running, yes. that gets really hot. Yes. And they yeah. put it in a very clever play, place because normally you're not going to touch that piece of metal. But if you do, it'll get almost painful to the touch because they figure not many people are going to be touching that because there's no need to. Right. So, you know, so, you keep uh, talking about the Mac that we both have, John, and it keeps reminding me that uh, that this morning, uh, effectively, gonna... I just placed oh, an order. No. no, I just placed an order for a new, totally loaded 27-inch iMac to uh, to replace my Ooh. MacBook Pro at my desk. And, I'm, and I got a great deal on it. A, a listener actually helped me out. So thanks, man. I really, really appreciate the, uh, the help with that. I, I may also, I've got to get uh, a MacBook Air for, uh, for a staff member that's been with us at BackBeat for a while who's, who's leaving the company, Greg Snyder. Uh, so as a, a parting gift, we're getting him a MacBook Air. Hope uh, he's not listening. Uh, he knows, actually. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he knows it's coming. So I'm getting one for him and, and uh, figure while I'm at it, well, maybe, you know, I, it, I might as well go ahead and wait, get wait an 11-inch for me. So. John, if wait we a, leave wait order, a, wait we'll a get three years. <laughs> Oh, wait, I didn't know this. I didn't know this was corporate policy. So you're saying if I leave, I get a, a MacBook Air? Uh, uh, if you, if, yeah, yeah, sure. Yes. If you leave the podcast, I'll give you a MacBook Air. Sure. But, I, but don't take that as an incentive. I don't, no, you yeah. don't get one if you leave. I don't want you to leave. This is, no, this is bad. Hey, John, tell him you're leaving. Get the MacBook Air. Come back next week. That's right. So I'm thinking of getting an 11 for okay. me to have as a kind of a, a travel machine. So we'll see. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. No, that's great. No, it's. Uh, we're, yeah. we're sad to see uh, Greg leave. I've, yeah, I've, well, it's, uh, you know, known him for you. He, he's been with, yeah, he's been with, he's, yeah, he with us founded, for a while. Founded the company together, so yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's it's with mixed blessings. I mean, it's good for him. He's moving on to do some cool things with his life. So it's right. good. So airflow is very important. It is. Yes. You may I, even want to get. I mean, they have uh, either. So, so uh, I'm sorry, I don't want to go on too much here, but they do have stands. You may mm-hmm. want to consider this, depending on the type of computer you have. You know, the iMacs and the, and the Pros, I think, are okay, but the Minis and, and the MacBooks uh, or any of the portables, you may want to consider a stand just to guarantee that you could get good airflow around the uh I have machine. one of those at my desk. So don't, don't put it yeah. in a corner or in a closet or, or something. Maybe in a closet, but yeah. I'll good. There. All right. Good. No, that's good advice. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what brand stand I have for my MacBook Pro because I've had it for probably six years for with various computers but yeah i always have something on my desk just to keep it up and airflow and that's good uh carl writes uh a new premium listener so welcome carl and thank you to everybody for for being premium listeners we absolutely appreciate your subscription and support uh and carl writes i've just installed lion on my mac pro uh, about five years old, two by 2.66 gigahertz dual core Intel Xeons. I'm trying to work with the launch pad, but have encountered a glitch. No problem opening it, launching apps from it. No problem. And even making folders works fine. However, when I make a folder and double click on the folder label, I'm totally unable to modify the folder label. I am able to do this on my MacBook Pro, uh, similarly five years old and stopped by the Apple store today for help. The summary from the geniuses, uh, I don't know. And yes, their lion based laptops at the store all worked fine. The obvious instruction, the obvious question is whether there is a setting I've missed a command line instruction or some other way to get folder titling or retitling to work. 
Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I uh, I figured, well, you've tried kind of all the obvious stuff. Uh, I don't know of anything that would, uh, any setting, at least user-findable setting, that would do this. So I thought, well, we got to find the, uh, the, the plist file. And so I used my old favorite method of finding that plist file. And I, uh, I opened up the finder and I started a little search and it really doesn't matter what you start the search for. Cause you're going to delete your search term initially. But once you get a little search going in the finder, you hit the plus key and I set, uh, the last modified date to today and then I hit the plus key again in the finder and I set system files to R included. Uh, and I set it to this Mac and then I do the search and sort by uh, last date modified and magically all the stuff that's being modified floats to the top of that list as it should. Once I get that list happening, then I opened up uh, Launchpad on Lion and I made a change and then I came back out. And I found the files that were being updated. They are not what I thought they would be. Apparently, Launchpad is not its own thing. In fact, it's bundled in with the dock. And there are a new, uh, there's a new folder in Lion that was not there in Snow Leopard. If you go into your home folder, into library, go to application support, there is a folder called dock that was not there before. There are uh, a couple of files in this folder, and they are both related to the launch pad only, as far as I can tell. Uh, what I would say is to empty the, the contents of that folder, take it and uh, trash them, and then go to the terminal and type kill all space doc. And the only capital letter you're doing there is a D, uh, because that's the doc. And that will kill the doc. The doc will restart, because that's how the system works. And hopefully that does it. There is another app, though, that we found called uh, Launchpad Control, and we'll put a link in the show notes to that. And it uh, it does let you manipulate the Launchpad in a whole variety of ways. So it, that's probably something cool to check out, even if you're not having any problems. But that might give you some more insight into what's going on here. Another thing to try, uh, Carl, just just to just as a sanity check is to create a test account on your Mac and launchpad preferences are by user. So if you create a test account and this is the root of the problem, uh, in theory, the test account will not have problems renaming folders in the launchpad. So those are all of my thoughts on that. And I was uh, pretty proud of myself using the, the, you know, the, 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 the search and find and all that to, uh, to get that to work. That's always handy when that stumbles that causes me to stumble onto a new preference pane or something I didn't know about before. So in fact, I have that search saved in the sidebar of my finder so I can just pull it up at a moment's notice, which is, you know, makes me, makes it fun. It makes me geeky is what it does. That's how it goes. Any thoughts on that before I move on to Mark? The only thing that occurred to me, the only place you could look system preferences, general highlight color. I'm just wondering if he had some wacky value where it wasn't mm. obvious that when, because yeah, I, I went through this and mm. you know you double click and and it changes to the highlight color you have to find in that right. pref pane. So I, I wonder if it was if he just either that got corrupted or he had some weird value where it wasn't obvious that when you double clicked on there it was actually highlighted and allowed you to type. So even if you don't think it's highlighted, try to type anyways. But uh, but it's I, I would I, I I'm I'm with your your guidance there, Dave, that I, I think there's some 
plist file or something that that's munged because uh yeah you would think the geniuses would be able to help yeah help resolve this but a place to look I, i've seen this before where if that value is is something weird it, it it's not obvious to you um that something's highlighted when in fact it is and, and it will let you change it so yeah yeah um I do like that feature. I mean, it, it resembles the uh, iDevice one and that, you know, if you, if you hold down a button, the, the icons will cower in fear <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> at some point because they think you're going to get rid of them. That's really funny. I never thought of it that way. I like that. That's and I liked how it, how it took the, uh, I think you told me this, it takes it from the app store. I, I dragged just for kicks. I dragged iPhoto and Aperture together and it said photography. And it's like, oh, yeah, it okay, knows. of course. Yeah. So, it, so it seeds it with what makes sense if they're both the same category from the app store, that's, uh, which I guess is what the iDevices do, do as well. Yeah, it's cool. It's good stuff. Those people at Apple, they're smart. They'll uh, they'll take stuff they've done in one place and move it to another. Whether smart we like stuff. it or not. Whether we like it or not. That's right. <laughs> All right, Mike, Mark writes, uh, I was wondering about doing a RAM upgrade for an older Mac Pro. Currently, I have five gigabytes occupying four of my eight memory slots. I have two 512 meg chips and two two gigabyte chips. I was thinking of purchasing an upgrade kit of 16 megabytes for four gigabyte chips, which would give me a total of 21 gigabytes as I have eight slots of Ram. I noticed that the tables that it in the tables I look online, it only mentions two, four, eight, 16 and 32 gigs as my possible upgrade paths. Is it legal to have 21 gigs as long as the chips are matched? Uh, John, you want to take this one? I'm reluctant to, well, just because I, I, I had an experience with a, it, I, I, another listener who was having issues. Okay. And I think they, they had RAM of different parameters here. And this is where I'm getting mixed info, Dave. So if I look into something like our friend Mac Tracker, yeah, it'll say this machine requires 240 pin PC2, 5300, 667 megahertz DDR2 ECC, which is unusual because a lot of other Macs explicitly say do not use ECC, but then it says fully buffered DIMMs. Okay. Which is another oddity of the, the memory yeah. for the Mac Pro. And, and, and from what I recall, and then the Apple article uh, on this, which we, we provided as well, gives you a slightly different definition of the memory here. And, and do, doing a little more digging online, I found, I believe you can either use fully buffered or non-fully buffered memory in this machine, but you got to make sure that you don't mix the two types or you will definitely get the chime of death or the beeps when you start up the mac pro and you hear beeps in all likelihood it means that there's something wrong with the ram or it's not happy so um so yeah i think the the mix that was proposed is okay but definitely go with a company that knows what they're talking about as far as mac ram because this machine seems to be pretty tricky as far as getting the right chips or the right mix of uh chips yeah so, you know go to system profiler get all the info maybe even you know, pop out what you have in there already, you know, get the labels and, and read them carefully and just make sure you uh, fully understand or can, can tell them exactly what type of chips you have. Because I have heard of cases, again, with this machine where if you mix the wrong types, you're going to get that beep sound and uh, and then do the hokey pokey sending memory back and forth. And, and you don't want to do that. So. Yeah. Yeah. That makes That's sense. All I say about that. I haven't had a I mean, the last pro desktop machine I had was the, the G5. So I hadn't. Uh... Yeah, I um, I, I was looking at this with that iMac I ordered because it's a similar thing, and 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 you're right to do it in pairs. Um, with the oh, iMac. this requires it. Yeah, this I, machine actually you must match pairs. Oh, uh, what I've seen. 
You might well, here one. I see it in the, in the the Mac Keeper. Yeah, it says match pairs. I think this machine you absolutely have to match them. Okay. I think others you don't have to. And I think the the iMac Dave I think is more uh, is more the SO DIM type of memory that that you yes. use in the. Uh, well, like I told you, yeah. When when my buddy that's right. That's Stuffy right. came over the other day. He was like, "Oh, I have my iMac," and I'm like, "Oh, look, I have this old memory from my." Right. The MacBook Pro. Does it fit? And it fit. Right. So, so yeah. So the Mac Pro is, is definitely a different class of memory. That's true. Uh, That's right. That's right. Yeah. But they even say in the new iMacs, they've got four slots in the new iMacs and they say right. do them in pairs. And what's interesting, and I got to I got to ask the people at Crucial about this. I was looking on Crucial's site and uh, and I think it said this even on on OWC's site as well. Uh, if you're going to put if you, if you know, if you get it with the four gigs of RAM that it comes with, so two two gigabyte chips and then two slots open, they say move those two chips that it came with to the other slots and then put the larger RAM that you purchase in the slots that that came out of because you want the system addressing the larger chips first. Um, and, and so I, I'm, I'm really. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, in, I, in what bank zero. Yeah. Bank zero. Exactly. Bank zero and one or, you know, however they, however it looks at it, but, uh, but yeah, they, it does not need to be installed in pairs, but again, they recommend that it should because you'll get a little bit of a speed boost, you know? So interesting. Cause I think you and I, I think instinctually, or I think I had done that. So when I, when I did the, it because I have a sense. four. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I had a four and a two. Or I have a four and a two in my machine. Okay. We can take six. And from what I recall, I put the four just thinking that, yeah, you know, having the, the, I mean, not that the machine can't jump across memory chips, but, right. but it just sounds like if I can keep everything in that four mega, uh, four gigabyte space. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There may be a slight, but I, I, I think it must be very, very slight. It's gotta be very slight. Yeah. I can't imagine that it's significant. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that there were multiple recommendations to do it that way. Huh, okay. Yeah, I know. All right. And now a topic that is always near and dear to my heart, but especially timely right now. Wes writes, for me, Yojimbo syncing using mobile me has been broken for at least the last six months. I know you say you use Yojimbo for your daily tasks. Have you experienced this? And so uh, before we get into answering Wes's question, I will say if even if you are not a Yojimbo user, uh, there, there's probably going to be something valuable for you here if you do any sort of syncing with mobile me, because we're going to talk about how to reset it. Uh, so, yes, Wes, I have uh, experienced this. In fact, just yesterday, I started experiencing it again for probably the first time in about a year. And it's totally been a problem. So uh, there's two ways that you can solve this problem. Number one is you can give up on mobile me syncing for large data stores like Yojimbo. Uh, I, I actually have done it in the past with Dropbox and you can also do it with something like SugarSync. SugarSync makes it even easier because you don't need to move things out of the Yojimbo folder. You can just tell SugarSync sync my home library application support Yojimbo folder amongst multiple Macs and you're good to go. The one caveat of doing Yojimbo that way is you cannot have it running on multiple Macs simultaneously. So you've got to quit on one and launch on the other, but the syncing happens pretty quick after the first initial, uh, the initial sync. That said, uh, there is hope of getting mobile me to work again. So here's the process I uh, will go through with my Macs. Uh, once I have some time and don't need them to actually have data and be up and running, which I have uh, for the past couple of days. Number one, go to each Mac that you have syncing and go into the mobile me prep pane and tell it to sync manually. 
change it from automatically or once an hour or whatever it is to manually. You, that's just so you don't have things syncing uh, without your knowledge, because you're going to be making some changes and you don't just want something firing off a sync without you knowing while you're in there and actually set it to manually go out of the preference pane, come back in, make sure that setting has stuck. Once you've got it to manually and all of them uncheck your Jimbo syncing on all your Macs. And it's again in that same preference pane. Once that's disabled on all your Macs, uh, do complete mobile me syncs again in the pref pane, click sync now um, and let it do a sync of everything. Of course, except the mobile me except the yojimbo data or whatever app or or bit of sync data is causing you grief uh, and this could be happening you know st- used to happen a lot with calendars of course we've gotten rid of that now because apple doesn't sync calendars through mobile me anymore uh, and that's a good thing we've moved to their whole caldav thing and, and i like that uh, so use the sync now button just make sure you've got successful syncs happening without this data that you presume to be offending after that's complete find the mac that has your the master copy of your uh, your data in this case your Yojimbo library and on that one and that one alone turn Yojimbo syncing on in the prep pane again leave it as manual uh, and then tell it sync now it will go through a sync depending on how big your data store is you might actually need to attempt this a couple of times before it actually finishes once it finishes and you can check this there's a very handy little thing with with uh, with mobile me syncing if you hold down the option key, when you click on the menu bar thing for mobile me, it lists when each of your data sets was last synced. And you want to make sure that you don't have one of them. You know, if, if all of them say, you know, today at four o'clock PM, and then one of them says, uh, you know, three weeks ago at uh, two fifteen, you know, that's not good that, you know, you want to make sure everything is sync. So, uh, so check that and then sync Yojimbo again, or sync everything again and make sure that works. Once you know that you've got it back up and working on one of your Macs, now it's time to start adding Macs to the mix. And you do that by going to the Mac, go to mobile me, go to sync uh, in system preferences, check the box for, in this case, Yojimbo and have it sync manually. Again, do it a couple of times, make sure it's syncing past data back and forth, edit on one, check on the other. Once you've got two of them in sync, now add the third Mac. And, you know, with the same process in the preference pane and then, of course, test it and make sure you've got data moving all the way around so that it, it's it's not there's no simple process uh, here. But it, I guess it's relatively simple. It's just not quick. You have to be very, very uh, careful with it and you have to do it uh, in a very you know deliberate fashion. And, and it should hopefully come back around. I'm hoping it does for me. Uh, so. That's the uh, you, you use mobile me syncing, right, John? But just for Apple stuff. Yeah, it's been a. I can't wait till it, it goes away. It seems to be working. I, I I get confidence that it's working because I run hardware growler. And among the other things it alerts you about is when sync events are occurring. So as long as I see that happening huh. every now and then, especially after I go change something in the address book or. Yeah. Or something like that. Seeing it come up saying syncing data uh, gives, gives me a, a warm fuzzy. And every now and then I'll, I'll verify, you know, I'll, you know, if I change it on the computer, I'll go to my iPhone after a, a, a second or two or maybe not a second. <laughs> right. <laughs> and just right. verify that the data has replicated. How come it's not here? Well. I changed it four seconds ago. Yeah. I don't expect immediate. You know, yeah. it's, it's, Demand it's, immediacy. Yeah. Well, you know, hey, for uh, 
You, know, you got the nothing. money. I'm sure uh, if I had the money, I'm sure I could get it to happen immediately. But uh, could not have that bandwidth? <laughs> no, that's well, true. Well, if, if I got a, if I got a, yeah. You know, well, then it has to deal with their servers, right? Right. right? I don't have any control over that. No, that's the problem is that mobile me syncing is this black hole. And it's and, you know, it's a mess. Well, right? It's a it's cloud. Not, no, it's well, a cloud. Right? But it's not just the cloud because it's not Yojimbo know, isn't just syncing in this case. It's not just syncing with the cloud directly. It's syncing with sync services on your Mac and then sync services on your Mac right. is syncing with the cloud. So it's a real big disaster is really what it it becomes and if you have a problem you don't know where it is in fact you can reset sync services again in that um in the mobile me sync menu in the menu bar if you hold down the option key a new option that you get in addition to seeing all the data is you get the option of reset sync services and sometimes especially for this problem we're talking about with wes sometimes that might be necessary to just wipe out you know what's in that 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 purgatory there on your mac that you can't really touch this is the only way you can touch it because um, they say otherwise you have to leave the sync services folder alone like a a, a swarm of bees, I believe, is what the knowledge base right. article says. <laughs> so that's hey, we don't mess around. But I've been happy with it. I use it for bookmarks, contacts, keychains. That's really. Uh, handy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mail accounts, uh, mail rules, signatures and notes. I don't use it for some of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. Um. Okay, uh, a quick tip from uh, from Scott here. Scott writes, hello, everyone. Electronic boarding passes, those that are emailed to you and then scanned directly from your phone screen, are incredibly convenient but suffer from one major flaw. <laughs> Only one? Uh, anyway, I'll, 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 I'll have my own comments on this. I'll read Scott's email. Uh, Scott says, the way most of these mobile boarding passes work is that an email is sent with a link to a web page that displays the boarding pass with this scannable code. Click the link, the page pops up, and you're good to go. Except that is if there's no cell coverage in that spot, which has happened to me. At that point, you simply can't get the web page to appear and can be, well, hosed uh, if you didn't print out a paper version. In a rare epiphany, I realized there is a simple solution to this otherwise serious nuisance. It's simple. Just take a screenshot of the browser's page on your iPhone. Do that by holding the power and home button simultaneously while displaying the boarding pass. The screenshot goes, of course, to your camera roll in the standard camera app or in Photos app and is then available for scanning regardless of network availability. I've done this several times now and it works like a charm. For people like me that travel a fair amount and rely on their iDevices for everything, it's a simple way to ensure that your boarding pass is there when you need it. Hope this helps you and other traveling Mac listeners from, you know, getting caught. And that is good advice. I will add something to this advice, uh, and that is... Yeah, if you um, and you can do this on your iPhone by double tapping the home button and then scroll to the left uh, and you'll get the music controls. But to the left of the music controls, you now get a uh, an orientation lock. And what you want to lock the orientation in whatever orientation you scan that picture, because what has happened to me is I've done this. I, I thought, oh, I'll take the screenshot. You know, great. And then I hand it to the TSA agent to uh, to scan. And in the process of handing it to him, you know, of course, the mercury switch in the iPhone causes the orientation to spin. And then the thing doesn't scan right. And the guy tries to turn it to spin it and it spins again. And it's a big problem. So if you get it all happy and then lock the orientation when you hand it to them, it can make this process much simpler. And yet there is another caveat I will throw out. I've been in airports 
I think Las Vegas airport most recently where they have the uh, scanners at the uh, TSA, you know, checkpoint and you can go through with your, with your uh, mobile boarding pass on your iPhone. And then I got to the gate and I went to board the plane and, you know, they called my, my group or whatever. And I was all happy to be in front because I was going to get my luggage stowed. And Dave I, who? What's that? No. Dave I, who? I, I, even worse, Pete. <laughs> I handed them my thing and they're like, oh yeah, we can't do that here. Like, wait a minute. You know, you are the airline. You're the ones that emailed me and said, do this. And you're telling me you can't do it at the gate. They're like, oh yeah, that's stupid. We can't do that at the gate. You're going to need to get out of the line and go over here. I said, no, 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 no. You're just going to let me on the plane. And, uh, and they did, believe it or not, actually just let me on the plane. I guess they saw that I was going to hold up their line, whether they wanted me to or not. And they decided this was a whole yeah. lot simpler, but, uh, yeah, I was friendly working the gate, you know, they can, yeah. they, 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 by the way, that gate agent is judge, jury and executioner yes. when the airplane mm-hmm. is on the ground, when they, it's can, on the ground. they yeah. can deny you boarding outright for no apparent reason. Yeah. Now, I was so, pleasant about no, it. No, I'm not saying but, that. Yeah. No, but, yeah, but yeah. I was, I, yeah. yeah, I knew, th- I yeah. knew that I had to be. Uh, uh, clear, firm, firm yeah. but that's all. And, and they have the authority to do that, to go, all right, you know, yeah. we know who you are. We're right. going to let you on. We're going right. to let you on. And they'll yeah. manually punch it in. And that's exactly what they hey, do. How hard is that? It wasn't hard at all. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That and, being uh, said, um, if, if, if you choose not to go with the uh, paper backup, uh, which I would have at least for a while longer till, uh, till this year. Is, yeah. Till yeah. this is a, a little more seamless. I, I would also be sure to ask, okay, it won't scan, it won't scan. Can you let me back to the front of the line through the crew line, please? Otherwise, and generally speaking, they're going to help you out. They know what a mess that that can be. What happened? John, go off the line? I heard no, we're here. Oh, we're okay. all good. Um, but uh, the, generally speaking, uh, TSA agents, you know, uh, sometimes they're pinheads and I get frustrated with them. But you know what? They're you, they're me, they're, they're people trying to earn a living. And generally speaking, we'll... Some reasonable requests like that will right. be honored. Reasonable requests like, you know, letting my son with scars keep his hat on or just hand it through. <laughs> that seems too hard sometimes. But <laughs> Right. That's right. Of course. <laughs> but uh, no, generally speaking, yeah, ask for things like that. Hey, yeah. let me back to the front of the line. Yeah, that's a good, that's, if I go that's good paper, advice. So. Yeah. 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 Speaking of. Speak. So, well, speaking of barcodes, so, so I've done this in a similar way. So th- this was one of the coolest things once I got my iPhone. Okay. That uh, that actually helped me, uh, you know, get a get a task accomplished a little easier. And it involved a barcode. So this was in the winter, Dave. So, you know, we're in the, you know, where we get the snow and the ice and stuff like that. So I, being a good local citizen, get myself some of the uh, the ice melt, whatever chemical you, you choose to get. Now, typically this is in 50-pound bags. Now, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm a strong guy, you know, but you know, I'm getting old, man. I, I don't want to be whipping 50 pound bags of, of, uh, <laughs> calcium or whatever, whatever your preferred, uh, ice melt is that there's, there's sure. a different ones. I, I yeah. some calcium, salt, some salt, your salt of preference, it's either sodium, calcium, magnesium, chloride, or something like that. I think yeah. anyways, they come in 50 pound bags. Now, typically my local home Depot or whatever store has them on a pallet outside of the store. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, so the first time I went to buy some, you know, I go to the register and I say I'd like two fifty pound bags of, uh, of uh, you know, the ice melt. And they're like, you got to bring them in. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, I like where you're so going you want, with this. You want this me good. to you want me to lug two fifty pound bags, either put them in a shopping cart or on a cart and lug them inside just so you can scan the barcode and I can go back outside again. She's like, yes. I'm like, oh, so. You can probably see where I'm going, but if not, yeah. here's what I did. The next time I did this, I was all pissed off and I did it. 
The next time what I did is I went up to, you know, checked out the various products, found the one I liked, got out my iPhone and took a picture of the UPC barcode with my camera. There you go. So then what I did is I walked into the store and I say, I'd like two 50 pound bags of the blah, blah. She's like, uh, you don't have them with you. I'm like, here's the barcode. Why don't you try to scan that? And she scanned yeah. it with the gun, which now most of the guns right now, in the past, a lot of those scanners, of especially them, the yeah, grocery store ones damn. are typically laser based. And those may not work too good on, on a screen, especially a reflective screen. Yeah. But a lot of the handheld ones um, are little cameras. That's so they just awesome. take a picture of whatever they see. So as long as the picture is of good quality, they should be able. And even then, I think one case, it was kind of blurry. The cashier was able to type in the UPC code. And I think it said, you know, typed in code for whatever reason, but it worked. And then I had my receipt and then, you know, nobody thought that I was stealing them though. You know, actually, if I wanted to, I could have filled up my trunk because nobody was paying attention at all. I mean, I was just tossing bags of ice melt into my trunk. Is that why you had like 60 of them in your garage the last time I was there? 50. Okay. <laughs> I had a sale. Don't be greedy. <laughs> you sold 10 off to your neighbor. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, because, because again, these, these, uh, uh, scanner now also now I think they've advanced now is a lot of them now have wireless symbol barcode scanners. And I think one of them one time came with me and walked outside and took right. it with her and went bam, bam, went back to the register and said, here you go. That's great. So, um, and the smart hardware stores just have a, a little book with all those barcodes in them and go, Okay, which one do you want? Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> but right. I do the that's same thing when I exchange my gas canister, my propane thing. I said, yeah, tank exchange. She's like, okay, that's the code. Type it in, swipe your card, you're done. Yeah. Pick it up right. at, the, at the cage. So, Some places uh, it's just rocket surgery. That's right. That's right. I love that term. All right. It's time for, uh, I mean, we've already moved into cool stuff found because John, you, you brought us here. So this is, this is good. Oh, you thought that was cool. I think it's freaking awesome. I think it's a brilliant idea and a great use of that little piece of technology we all have in our pockets these days. I think it's awesome. Uh, okay. So, uh, let's, let's, uh, Michael go. Hi, John, Dave, and Pilot Pete. This is Michael in Boston. I certainly appreciate John's reluctance to adopt the new natural scrolling, but what if you do if you want to go with the new scrolling, but you have a computer that, for whatever reason, is still on Snow Leopard? That's my situation. I had no problem adapting to natural scrolling. In fact, it took only minutes for my fingers to be retrained. But I have a laptop still running Snow Leopard. Enter Scroll Reverser. I installed it on my Snow Leopard laptop, and now all my touch-padded computers do natural scrolling the same way. Hope this helps. As always, love the show. Cut me off here. All right. And so, yeah, that was Scroll Reverser from PilotMoon.com. And it is free. I promised you there were two free things and cool stuff found today. And you got you already got them because John's thing. Well, you have to own the iPhone. So I guess that's not technically free. But with this one, you have to own a Snowboard well, no, you, you could You could use so. any digital camera. Day. That's true. That's right. As long as it has a display on it. Uh, yeah, I think I think one yeah. time I actually did uh, before the iPhone. I think I brought my uh, which is somewhat portable. So any portable digital. That's true. That's do. true. Yeah. Uh, so scroll reverser. There you go. That's uh, that's it's a good thing. And then, um, you know, I'm going to we've got uh, one thing from George that actually I think is going to be a, a good thing. But uh, but I want to talk about two things that I uh, that I found. They're related to one another. We talked about navigation and using your iPhone as a portable GPS unit. And of course the, the one thing that your iPhone needs, if you're going to do that is you need a way to mount your iPhone in your car. Uh, it, it, you know, in a way that, that has it, you know, up in front of you so that you can do this. And if you're going to do this, you also need a way to keep your iPhone charged 
while you're doing GPS uh, because it's just going to drain the battery like crazy. Uh, if you don't having the screen on having the uh, GPS on and having the processor running and doing all of its stuff, it, it, it's just going to, you know, pour out uh, the electrons is what happens. So uh, Bracketron actually has two very cool products that I've been using. So number one is their universal GPS window mount. What I really like about this, it's your standard suction cup window mount with a flexible arm. Uh, what I like about it is that because it's a universal thing, it's not built just for the iPhone four or just for the three GS or just for your Blackberry or whatever. It will fit anything and it fits your iPhone if it's in a case, which for me and probably most of us here is huge because I don't I hated having to take my iPhone out of a case just to snap it into my, uh, you know, the thing on the windshield to use it as, as navigation. So uh, so this thing's awesome. We used it last night uh, in in Lisa's in the van as we went down and we popped her phone in on the way down to a, a thing we went to at Gillette Stadium last night and then. Um, and used my phone on the way back, but you know, we didn't have to do anything. Our phone stayed in their cases. Everything worked fine. And, uh, you can decide whether you want portrait or landscape orientation. It all just works. So it's 30 bucks from Bracketron. You might be able to find it cheaper at, uh, you know, Best Buy or, or Amazon or whatever. Uh, so that's one thing from Bracketron and we'll put a link in the show notes for that. And then, uh, the other one that really cool is what they call their dual USB charger. So it's a little uh, car charger thing that plugs into the, you know, standard cigarette lighter, 12 volt port, uh, but it has two USB ports on it and you can plug your, your dock connector cables in. But here's the really cool part. One of the ports is a standard one amp USB port like you would have on your standard charger. And you can charge your iPhone with this. And if you want to charge your iPad with it, you have to do it with the screen off. Otherwise, your iPad says not charging. But the other port is a 2.1 amp port, and it will charge the iPad uh, while you're using it in the in the car. Or it will, uh, you know, it'll it'll charge your iPhone faster is what I found. Um, but it seems like at least the iPhone 4 uh, seems to respond to, to more current coming through. So, uh so there you go. So those are the two things. Oh, the uh, the second one there, the, the USB charger, I think is 25 bucks. I've got to pull that web page back up. Yeah, it's twenty four ninety five. So, you know, not free, but uh, but definitely cool and really handy to have two charging ports coming out of one uh, cigarette lighter port. It, it's good stuff and it works. It's really tiny. It just kind of fits right in. It doesn't stick way out. Uh, I was really impressed with it. So uh, definitely worth checking out. So those are those are those two things. And then we have one more from George, unless uh, you've got something to throw in before we do George's and, and wrap it up, John. Mr. Brown. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Are we ready to, ready to roll the George, John? I think so. No, okay. I was just cutting and pasting what you were, uh, you know, just, uh, you have to take the links and put them in the show notes. That's good. Yeah, that's I'm just your... putting them in my file here while you were talking. So I'm trying to multitask. Okay, so cool. Sometimes you, you catch me by surprise. I know. I know I do. Uh, and I knew I was going to, I should have known better. So anyway, in show 344, the last premium show we did, we had a rousing discussion about <laughs> finding files that have a space and a period in them. And, uh, and we talked about things that would and wouldn't find them. Uh, but there was no really elegant solution, uh, as far to, uh, to find these enter a piece of software from Devon Technologies. It's free called Easy Find. 
And uh, George sent this in, and uh, and sure enough, it works just like you would expect. And you type in the space period, and it finds everything with the space period. It highlights it, and uh, and so there you go. So thank you very much, George, uh, for uh, for finding that. For Dropbox users, of course, that's uh, that's a huge help because that's not the kind of file you want out there in your Dropbox, as we explained back in N three forty four. They will get they will get duplicated. So I was I was very happy. Thank you, George, for sending that in. You got anything else to add there, John, before we, uh, before we roll? Uh, I'm going to roll the band. Nope. Roll the band. Yeah. Roll them in, roll them out. (laughs) Get them up, move them up, rawhide. Uh, as long as the band's behind chicken wire, right? That's the, uh, that's the important. Oh, if you're at a, depending on the venue you're at, yeah. My dog chews through plastic chicken wire. (laughs) That lets the neighbor's chickens out. There you go. Uh Fortunately, she doesn't eat the chicken. She just lets them out. I think it's a it's a freedom issue with her. I see. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been at a venue, Dave, where you're behind chicken wire? Have I ever played behind chicken? No, no. I'm sure I would have remembered that. <laughs> For, no, I, I mean I don't know if it, that's Rodan. just in the movies and in rough joints where you're afraid of people hurling projectiles at you, or, or if they actually exist. Maybe they do. Just, I've been no. in I've a place. Not, I've been in a place with chicken wire. Have I, you really? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. okay. Right, in, in, down in Tennessee, maybe. It's actually, in Arizona. Arizona, really? Arizona. Yeah. Huh. I'm sure they exist. I've played some pretty rowdy roadhouses, especially when I was down in Texas. But uh, but they were always on the on the band's side. I mean, there was never yeah. it was rowdy, but we were all in it together. Yeah. It wasn't you know, yeah. there was no animosity there. Thank goodness. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I think they wasn't there. It was across the Arizona border. It was in El Centro, California. It was uh-huh. on the California side. California. Yeah. Go. Yeah. Out there. I, I would the think the hippies camp. there wouldn't wouldn't tend towards <laughs> uh, the valley. I mean, cool. Arizona, as far as based <laughs> on what I read, everybody there is armed anyway. Anyway, so I'd be. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we alienate just about everyone. Uh, hey, Dave, you did not say we couldn't discuss it during the show. I know. Show. I said no politics in the post show discussion. It exhausts That's not politics. It's just a fact, Dave. <laughs> and here we are in the middle of the show. No, Premium the the at MacGeekab.com is that? how you contact us for the show. If you want to contact these guys for anything else, find them. Uh, Premium at MacGeekab.com. Is the uh, email address premium at MacGeekab? No, 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 no. Go, go, go. Premium. That's right. At MacGeekab.com. But then you were saying, Dave. 666 Geek 206 666 Geek, which is 4335. That's right. And uh, you can find us on Facebook at MacGeekGab. And uh, you can find us on Twitter. He's John F. Braun. He's Pilot P. I'm Dave Hamilton. The show is Mac Geek Cab. Mac Observer is, uh, well, is TMO. Is there anything else uh, as far as contacting us that we Wait, should throw it's out there, It's TMO? John? No, isn't it Mac Observer? Mac Observer is them. Right. Yeah. See? No, just if they went to Twitter TMO, I don't know what they'd find. I don't know. They wouldn't find us. But I, it, it's okay. You said it. <laughs> I followed it. No, I followed it in order. I said, I said, John F. Braun is you. Pilot Pete is him. Dave Hamilton is me. Mac Geek Cab is the show. And Mac Observer is TMO. See how it works? See. Someone See? does own it, but it, it, it... See how that works? Nobody we know. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to thank Michael Johnston 
from the We Have Communicators podcast for converting this and every episode into AAC, adding the chapters and links for all of you. For those of you that uh, it's worth explaining every now and again, uh, the MP3 is what we release as soon as we finish the show, like we'll do now. Uh, and then uh, the AAC file is passed to Michael at that same point in time. And then it usually takes him about a day, sometimes less, sometimes more. Uh, to uh, convert that and add all the chapters and links and all that stuff. So the AAC does come out a little bit later, but uh, but has all that extra stuff for you. And I know most of you sub- subscribe to the AAC, but if you're looking for the show as soon as it comes out, that's the MP3 version. So. Cashfly.com provides all the bandwidth, too. So thanks to, uh, thanks to them, too. And that's it. We're done for the week here, John. Mm-hmm. What's happening, Pete? Oh. Up for the got a good uh, good plans for the weekend there, John and Pete. Oh yeah, good. Wife coming home for nine days off. Well, well, have fun, but uh, don't get caught. Yeah. Made up.